Hey everyone, I'm Rob Lee, and this is Beloved Journal. Each week, I sit down with one of my friends as we discuss what it means to love and be loved. I'm not talking about romantic love, but the kind of love that leads us to empathy, compassion, and grace. Things our world desperately needs right now. Hey everybody, today on Beloved Journal we have Connie Conover, a local drag queen here in North Carolina who is also a dear friend. I hope you enjoy this interview and see a different side to the drag scene. Let's listen in. Connie Conover, thank you so much for coming on Beloved Journal. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I'm just excited to be here. So, so tell us something. You know, I, I think uh, many of us see you as the drag queen of, of this area. We see you uh, leading uh, a, a lot of the shows and hosting the shows. But how did you specifically, Connie Conover, uh, get involved in drag? What what made you think that you wanted to perform? I must have been bored, honestly. I, I don't know. In 2010, when I decided to um, put on a wig and a dress, <laughs> it was one of those moments that I didn't realize would, would kind of define the, the next 10 years. Um, I really just wanted to have some fun, and it seemed like something that um, I was always enamored by entertainers and always enamored by drag queens and female impersonators. And, you know, I, I knew that I love comedy and I love hosting and I love talking. And so it was like, you know, kind of a shoe for me that it, it, it really fit. <laughs> well, 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 let's look at that because this has been a, 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 the site of a global pandemic. We are in the heart of a pandemic. Um, it's been a little hard uh, for, for, for drag queens and for everybody, from drag queens to churches, uh, uh, to, to really to do what they need to do. Um, and yet you have risen above that and offered uh, online shows and online events. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing these past six or seven months of the pandemic. Well, with any crisis, it teaches you to learn new things. And we've, we've had to learn how to edit videos. We've, had to, um, we, we've done some online stuff with um, live shows and Facebook Live. And so we've definitely kind of expanded our mindset and expanded our knowledge base. Uh, it, it's been our, the, the thing is that people who love drag, um, they've, they've been very responsive to the different avenues. Most of the entertainment we've been doing has been, you know, helping our some of our safe spaces, as I like to call them, our bars stay open with some of the mandates here in North Carolina that they weren't able to open. You know, a lot of our businesses um, were able to uh, open back up at least at a limited capacity, and the bars were some of the last um, to do so. So you have nightclubs that have been closed for six to eight months now. And so some of our work has been done just to continue the income flow to help those bars stay open. One of the things I think that has been so uh, interesting is that, you know, if we take this back to 36,000 feet, you started drag 10 years ago, but drag has obviously been around uh, for some time now. I think back to the early days with, with Paris is burning, you know, those kind of consequential moments of drag from that to the AIDS crisis to everything that that, that has come out of and been affecting the, the drag scene. Uh, you think of marriage equality, especially recently uh, with, with the Marriage Equality Act being upheld by the Supreme Court. What is it that's facing drag today? Because you don't, I, I know that you and others don't want drag to just become a relegated entertainment. It's got some activism. It's got something going on in it that, that, that pulls people out of their comfort zones. 
um, but also invites them to kind of retrospectively look back on what they believe and how they believe it. Well, two things come to mind when I when I think about drag. One is I think about um, Stonewall, and you know there was a transgendered black, basically drag queen who threw the first brick, um, who said, you know, we're not going to take this anymore. It wasn't the the strong elites. It was it was a drag queen in in, in some senses. And um, you know when you think about Marsha and, and during that time that that moment in history defined you know, the next 30 years, it was, it was, it was mind boggling to, to think about that, that all originated from a small place there at Stonewall. The second thing for me is that uh, drag itself um, has been around much longer than even before the Paris is burning era. It's been, you know, you go back to ancient Roman history. Um, you know, there was a time that in, even in England that women weren't allowed to, um, perform in stage plays, the men dressed up as women. And that's where some of the drag, the term drag, came from, is even in the early days when female impersonation really started here. You know, they were dragging their clothes in and out of the bars and dragging because, you know, they had to keep them in suitcases is some of the terminology as well. But I think the, the key behind that is, is being able to create a persona that, amplifies a community uh, being able to to be larger than life and, and there's such freedom um, in, in becoming this personality that um, for me personally has turned into activism has turned into um, you know I'm a former Miss Catawba Valley Pride in 2011 um, I, I was crowned Miss Catawba Valley Pride and that was a, a defining moment as well for me because I realized that that Connie could say things that Leo could not. Connie could go places that Leo was still held back from in some cases. And so it created just this, this beautiful um, kind of tapestry of my, into my life that was it allowed avenues to be open that I could never have imagined them. And I think a lot of queens, a lot of people who impersonate and, and have these personas also you know, can relate with that. So I, I, I think one of the things that we're facing right now is um, knowing Connie and, and knowing Leo, but knowing Connie and Leo, and uh, I, there has been a lot of conversation right now in the current political climate surrounding uh, gay white men supporting Donald Trump at the expense of other gay people. Um, I know that many drag queens have very different views, but I also know that, that that's a really interesting dynamic that's being played out in the gay community. Um, what are you seeing on the ground? What are you seeing that people need to know about as we approach one of the most consequential elections of our lifetime that will have long-standing uh, and long-reaching effects on the gay community? Well, Rob, I was one of the folks who organized several of the rallies that we had in Hickory around the Marriage Equality Act. Um, I was, you know, partnering with several of the folks in my community. We've we've had a very strong voice around. Um, a lot of the political things that are happening, I will say, um, and I, with absolute certainty, that every election has consequences. Um, as much as they have benefits, they also have consequences. And you know, the importance of voting um, 
can it, this could not be in a more important time for people who feel like their vote doesn't matter or feel like they're, especially in a marginalized community, um, they absolutely need to make their vote known, um, whether they support Donald Trump or whether they support Joe Biden. You know, that is something that's beautiful about our democracy is that we we have the ability to to go out and cast our vote and, and say who we want our next president to be. The unfortunate thing that I have found is that much of who is determined as the president isn't the people who vote, it's the people who choose not to. And so I encourage everyone to get to the polls. Um, it, it, you know, Early voting starts in our area next week. And so you've got two weeks of that. And then, of course, Election Day coming up the first Tuesday in November. So, so important. I hear uh, Connie might be actually working the polls. Uh, will we see Connie down at the at our local poll site? It very well may be. I will I will neither confirm or deny. My publicist has not um, released that information yet. Mm, mm, right, right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, be on the lookout for Connie at local Catawba uh, County polling sites. <laughs> what a site that would be. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, one of the questions that I really think on is, uh, you know, I, I think when people – uh, who are new to the drag uh, realities uh, of seeing drag, of, of witnessing drag being performed? Um, I think the, the kind of go-to person in all this is RuPaul. Um, you know, the RuPaul's Drag Race has really captivated myself, especially, but also a generation of people who may not have seen drag uh, in a way that they might have seen had they, you know, not had uh, RuPaul. Of course, so I'm curious. RuPaul uh, captivated audiences. And continues to captivate audiences in ways that we haven't seen. Um, what does the next generation of drag look like? And I'm not exactly asking for you to give me like a leader's name, like Miss Cracker or you know whoever. I want to hear from you. What does it look like? What does it? What does it feel like? What does the experience of drag become for this next and up and coming generation? Well, I'll tell you, RuPaul has been a trailblazer for our community. And you know, also remember, there's a lot of people who have not been exposed to drag over the years. And that's the beautiful thing of RuPaul's Drag Race is they have exposed, they have exposed people who would not have normally seen drag. With that said, please also remember that's a, a reality show. Um, it's, it's, I think it's beautifully done. I would love to be part of RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul, I need you to hear that. I would love to be part of RuPaul's Drag Race someday. With that said, it's so important to get involved with local drag. Um, it's day and night difference. Now there's good drag, and you know there's a, there's an old saying that cheap drag ain't good and good drag ain't cheap, and that's absolutely the truth. And if you have any clue what these girls spend on costumes and wigs and hair and shoes and you know to make sure that the you know the makeup's right you know cover girl does not cover boy so you you have to pay for really good stage makeup and to make sure that you know the all the contouring's right it's, it's an art it's a beautiful art i would say the next generation of drag is the continuation of the growing of the local drag art and i would say you know um one of the things that i've been very blessed is over the last 10 years i've built quite a fan base here um you know i have when I say quite the fan base, I have probably 2,000 followers on average. Um, there, there are some of my sisters that have, have done so much better than that than I have. But the, the, the great thing is, is you've, I learn every time I see a young queen get on stage. And I've, I've had the opportunity to mentor and teach. And local drag is where it's at. I love local drag. And I think everyone should have a, a queen that they know locally that they visit often, especially when they're performing. So that said, 
some of the stories that we hear coming out of local drag, they're not without risk, right? Oh, there, there's 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 danger in doing what you do because of other people's perception of you doing it. Mm. Um, there has been increased violence against drag queens um, over the past uh, few years, as as violence against uh, uh, against uh, the the gay community and the trans community has risen. Um, so I'm curious, how are your community, how is your community addressing that? And how are you addressing that personally? Well, one of the things, uh, let's, let me speak to the community first. It's, you know, there's constant conversation. We believe, and I've always been a fan of, conversation changes things. You know, um, well, you don't have to have the same opinion as I do to sit down at the table and discuss things as long as that discussion is respectful. Me personally, I will say, out of all the things that keep me up at night, it isn't the the slurs that are, you know, I'm walking down the sidewalk with a wig in my hand and a suitcase in the other, and you hear someone roll down their window and scream a slur. You know, in 1985, at, in front of the bar that I work in now, um, if you were standing out in drag, you got a beer bottle thrown at you on a Friday night. Times have changed, and, and there has been some, you know, the, the toleration isn't as vocal. It's actually the opposite. So you see all of these behind-the-scenes things happening. You see Charlottesville. You see, you know, the racial inequality, the the gender inequality. And I will say this, and I want it to be as loud as possible. There are too many of our young black transgendered women that are being murdered. And you know, I know many of girls that are transgender that got their start in doing drag. Now, the drag didn't lead them to transgender. Uh, being coming transgender, the, the drag was, was kind of a medium for them to, to explore who they were and who they were comfortable as. And there are way too many of our young black women being murdered at alarming rates. And I don't think that anyone's doing enough about that. And I mean, I'm, I, I, think I echo in our community, we hear that same fear um, everywhere in the United States. You know, even though, I, I will tell you, one other thing I want to add to that is 10 years ago, I might have turned my head at the slur that was slung through a window. Today, I am exactly who I am. And, and the, the, the medium for me that dragged what it did for me personally is I could care less if someone doesn't care for what I do. There's just this piece of, this is part of who I am. And, you know, I, I can thank this personality for that in a sense of being able to just be who I am. And I think that there's a lot of freedom in that. When, when you have people who are, are strong and they aren't afraid to be who they are, then they can change the world. That said, I also know that you have... There are stories of you protecting other younger drag queens who don't, uh, who, who, who are subject, and you yourself have been subject to, to harm. So we don't want to discount that while also acknowledging the, the strength that it takes to do what you do. It does. Absolutely. I, you know, it's not easy um, being a mature <laughs> um, drag queen in a sense. Um, you know, it, it, there are risks that are involved, and I don't want to discount those. I, I think my encouragement would be to always be safe, travel in groups, and, you know, it's unfortunate that we live in a day and time we have to do that, but I, but we do have to remain safe and, and you know, check in with people and 
make sure people know where we are and what we're doing because there, there's just, there is so much hate in the world today. Um, but I, I choose to look at the love. There is so much love in the world today. One of the places that you would think there would be love, but there often isn't love uh, for the drag community and the gay community more broadly, uh, is the church. Mm. Now, I know uh, and you know that, that we have options in, in North Carolina for churches that are loving and accepting and affirming uh, of the gay community. Um, sometimes that extends to the drag community, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I'm curious, what, would, what are you looking for at a church um, that might want to be open and affirming, that might want to embrace you and love on you for who you are, Connie Conover? I think for me, um, what I look for in a church is their ability to be authentic. Um, you know, I, it, it's really hard to ask for someone to accept you as for who you are and not accept them for who they are, in a sense. So I think it's really important to make sure that if you're looking for an open and affirming space, that there is levels of misunderstanding. I don't want to use the word discrimination because it's really strong in this sense, but there's just a level of misunderstanding um, in some of the churches that are very affirming. So great example of that is, you know, you're gay and you're okay, you can come, but don't be too effeminate. You're gay and you're okay, but oh, oh my gosh, you've got painted nails and you're a guy. So there's still these stereotypes that I think that we've got to break through. Um, you know, I have a friend of mine who, um, you know, who actually kind of shunned me a little bit uh, because there was a conversation about how, and the word he used was passable. I'm, well, you're, you're very masculine when you're, and I'm thinking, I'm a drag queen. How, <laughs> how can you put those two things together? But it, there was a reality in that statement that, you know, they, they felt that they really couldn't excuse this term, butch it up, right? Mm -hmm. That they, they were naturally effeminate. And I would be able to travel in places that they wouldn't be able to travel in because of their femininity. And, I, and if I could say anything to the churches today, it would simply be this, because I am a Christian and I do serve at a church, and as, as a Christian, that God's love isn't limited. God's love is for all people. And as hard as it is in any church um, to, to bend that, that standard and say, you know, it's absolutely okay. I am encouraged, very encouraged by places that, that find the ability to say, you know, I feel like that you need uh, the, a fellowship of, of other Christians over how I feel about this. You know, we don't all have to agree on every line to still sit at the same table. And I think that's a powerful statement. And as Christians, you know, we don't have it all figured out. The preachers don't have it all figured out. You know, even the people who interpret Scripture don't have it all figured out. And I think there just has to be some grace. And, and looking for a church, find that place where you connect with, with people that, that you're supported and that you're loved. And that might be a and, and be willing to accept that there are places that you may love that you don't feel that acceptance, that maybe that's not the right place for you. I'm wondering... It sounds a little bit like churches can be communities a lot like the drag bars and the gay clubs that you, you, you often uh, frequent. 
They can be community spaces of love and acceptance and affirmation or not. Um, and and it's, in some ways, it seems like some of these, uh, these clubs that I've been at uh, to witness you perform and to see other drag queens perform seem a lot more like church than churches are. It's funny you should say that. Um, I The one thing that I think has been uh, beautiful about the nightclub scene, and you got to be careful, you know, not all nightclubs are the same. Um, you know, I've traveled in some nightclubs that are, aren't, aren't quite the safest of spaces. So the ones that I, I love and are, are dear to me, um, you know, that I frequent, those are, are what I can, I call them safe spaces because everybody's welcome. Um, one of the things that I have found that has been beautiful, especially in being Connie, is the kindness, you know, that I naturally have comes through that personality as well. And I, I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had in the last 10 years just with people that I've connected with and stayed in a relationship or friendship with that have called me and said, you know, I, I you know, I've just lost a loved one. Will you pray for me? Um, can you, talk, you know, I, I just you know, broke up with my boyfriend. Can you, can you talk, you know, can you give me some hope? And, you know, just in having conversations as much as it is fun, and I am a comedy queen, there has been more serious conversations with people. And you're right, that, that's what church should be, is a community that comes together despite the differences, despite um, even differences in opinion, and supports each other and loves each other through it all. And, I, and, and you know, I, I've been blessed to find that in, in some of the circles that I've, I've traveled in over the last 10 years. Connie, I know you have a family. Um, how does your family respond to this? How did, are they supportive? What, how, how, what roles have they played in the relationship that you have with drag? Well, I have a partner and a son. Um, my son, I remember, do, I was at a, my first Pride event that he was able to come to, and I, I have this picture that I treasure of him holding up a dollar to this six and a half foot drag queen with big hair, and that was me. And it was just one of those precious moments. I will say that I have raised my child to be open and accepting of of everyone, and that has been very important to me. Of course, um, every the, my partner loves drag. Everything except when I the true diva comes out when the hair goes on, and sometimes that can be a little daunting. But I've also been so fortunate to have a very, very, very supportive mother. And when I talk about my mother and how incredibly supportive she is, I mean, she's done hair for me. She has, you know, we've talked about things. She thinks, you know, Connie's great. Um, but when I say that, I also re re just in the, or I'm in the full realization that not everybody has that support system. I am so lucky to have that. And I talk to young people all the time who do not have that. A young transgender girl um, who has came out as transgendered who, a year ago um, called me in tears because her mother had, you know, kicked her out of the house. Um, you know, of course, they were going to pray for her at church. They, you know, tried the whole pray the gay away thing. So that creates more stigma against, you know, these religious places that should be embracing and loving kids through stuff um, that just creates more alienation. And, you know, it's as much of a supportive family as I have. There are so many kids out there today 
that do not have that supportive family. There's a very high percentage, um, and I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but I will tell you, research it. You would not believe the amount of homeless youth that are homeless only because they've come out of the closet as gay. That's hard. That's hard to think about. You know, I can't imagine that a loving, caring, wonderful God who created me and exactly knew every cell of my body and every hair on my head would reject me, reject his own creation. I, I know how I would feel about my son. I, I There's just no way that I could ever send him away. Would I ever you know, I agree with everything he does? I mean, he's 11 years old. I don't agree with everything he does now. He drives me crazy sometimes. But I'm never going to turn him away. And I can't, I, you know, there's, there's this, I question the love piece with people who could do such a thing. Well, for the, the young gay teen who walks into your club on a Friday or Saturday night, they're looking up to you as, as, as the drag queen of, of the night hosting. What do you hope that they will see in you? And other drag queens that they see perform, if they are wanting to do what you do, or just simply wanting to witness it. Drag is, and we talk about RuPaul. RuPaul has this wonderful saying: "Is that you're born naked, and the rest is drag." The thing that I would want a young person to see in me is that no matter what I set my mind to, there really isn't any boundaries unless you personally create those boundaries. I think that is a is a beautiful message to our young people is, you know, we think, and I'm, and I'm speaking to that young person who doesn't have that support system. Um, there is a, you know, I have a family, I have a drag family as well. And I talk to my drag family as much as I talk to my family. So you don't even have to be part of my drag family. Some of them don't even do drag. It's, I, we have this just this nest of community, this family that we support each other. And as Mama Connie, I don't mind saying that was a dumb decision. You should have done that, or here's the direction you should go, or think about this this way. I'm a parent, so you know, being I, I, I think the call to the older queens. Um, when I say older, you know, I've been ten. I'm ten years old, um, but as a male, I'm forty three years old, right? So I have a little bit more wisdom to offer. And, you know, the world isn't all about me. It should be about giving back to that to that team that walks through that's going to have to face some of those really hard conversations with mom and dad and face those really hard, you know, conversations with being put out of the house in some cases. Um, you know, I, that was our prayer last Sunday, as a matter of fact, was National Coming Out Day. And I thought, what a strange day for that to be is on a Sunday. Every church in our nation should have prayed for those kids that by the end of that night would be homeless. All because they were trying to speak truth about who they were. And that's, that's a challenging, sobering reality. It is. It shows we have so much work to do. Um, and that you are on the front lines of doing that work. Uh, Connie, if we want to find you online, uh, where, where can we do that? Um, I have a Facebook fan page and also a Facebook page. Um, you can put in Connie Conover or um, Twitter Conover Connie. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get you to me. Um, I, I definitely have been, um, I've been very blessed to have you know, a great following um, 
and you know you can also find me the, all my posters are are tagged there so if there's performances that are upcoming um as you as the bars are starting to open back up there are opportunities to see me there as well well connie thank you so much for coming on beloved journal rob thank you for having me Beloved Journal is produced by Stephanie Lee and hosted by Rob Lee. Our theme music is by Mipso, the best band in the world. Connect with us on BelovedJournal.com, and if you like what you heard, tell someone about it. 